Welcome to the Modern Intimacy Podcast, a show about mental health, sex, relationships, education and tips, and those private things we need to talk about more publicly without restrictions. I'm your host, Dr. Kate Balistrieri, a licensed psychologist, certified sex therapist, packed couples therapist, and sex addiction therapist. I know that mental health is directly tied to the quality of our relationships and our sex lives. I'm passionate in my desire to smash stigmas and shine a light on societal issues that may be negatively affecting our lives, relationships, and sexuality. During this podcast, I will also give you practical answers and insights to questions you've been wondering about. We should all have fulfilled, happy lives, and we get there by erasing shame, consciously digging deeper, building healthy connections, and by getting curious together. Thanks for joining me. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to this episode of Modern Intimacy Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kate Balistrieri, and today with me is Raquel Van Loon, one of our clinical associates on the Modern Intimacy team. And we're going to talk a little bit about foreplay today, because foreplay is often necessary for a good fuck. I wanted to talk about foreplay specifically. It is one of my favorite F-words, but I wanted to talk about it with you today, Raquel, because so many folks, I think somewhere in the back of their mind, know that it's important. And yet, Mm -hmm. when it comes to moments of being sexual, it doesn't always get enough airtime. And you recently wrote a blog called, What is Foreplay and Why is it Important? And I wonder, in, in your words, if you can answer that question. Yeah, it was definitely one of my favorite blogs that I was able to write. I think it one of like the main reasons like it is skipped over, or like not given a second thought, like exactly what you said. Um, the best way I can describe like why it is so important is imagine going down a water slide with no water. You're going to get burnt. It's really going to hurt. It's just not a good time. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I mean, I think I, I hear so many stories from either like from people, friends, clients, whatever, right. That their ideas of what good sex is and what good sex is, you know, supposed to be is they get it from porn. Right. And think about any of like the porn that you see. Right. You don't really see a lot of foreplay in porn. So like really what you see with porn, if you think about it, like a majority of the porn you've seen are at least porn made by men, right? Like you see 20 minutes of the man receiving oral sex and then potentially five minutes, if that, of the woman receiving oral sex. That's um, generous in porn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was kind of trying to be a little bit generous with that, but yeah, I mean, like it goes right from that to like then the woman getting penetrated hard and fast, the woman screaming, screaming in ecstasy, um, and then end of scene, you know. And I feel like it. One reason why I think I really felt passionate about writing this is because a lot of my clients do come to me with feelings of disappointment. You know, mm-hmm. they get their ideas about sex from porn and then when their sexual experiences in real life don't align with that or they don't equate to that they either walk away feeling disappointed feeling less than feeling confused broken alone Mm -hmm. and just really disconnected 
I really appreciate you saying that because although for some people, porn can be a really wonderful additive to their sexual experience and to their arousal and can, and they can even learn things from, from porn for yeah. a lot of folks, it's their only source of education because we don't have enough education in this country that is secular and readily available. So a lot of people don't really understand how to stimulate bodies um, and to stimulate their own genitals, let alone the genitals of a partner, because we don't often show that in, in the major sources of education. And of course, um, freely available erotic material, as you pointed out, is often created by men and from the male gaze. So there are some deficits in understanding about how the female body is often pleasured and the role that foreplay can play for all partners involved, regardless of gender and sexual orientation. So in your experience, how often does the question of foreplay come up in therapy? Is this a common thing that people talk about? Yes, it is very common. I would say it comes up quite often in therapy. I think especially with the nature of what we do is sex, like in sex therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just want to validate how normal it is on that whole spectrum. And I think just to kind of go off what you said a little bit about just like the education piece and like how little we know about sex, I think it also adds that compounded factor of how do we talk about it? Mm. Sometimes it even feels uncomfortable to talk about. You know, I've had clients say, I can't believe I'm talking to you about masturbating, (laughs) you know, about like how I do this. And I think that's also a big part of it is one, if I don't know what I like, you know, how can I tell my partner? That's, I would say one of the things that I see in therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, What do I like? How do I go about exploring that? And then Why am I not having good sex? Like, why am I feeling broken? You know, and those are such heartbreaking words to hear. I think in terms of feeling broken, I think as a society, we just weren't really given much of a chance, you know? I really hear that. And and I want to add, nobody's broken when it comes to Mm -hmm. sex. We Mm -hmm. might be undereducated. And I think that's an important gap to bridge. But no one's broken. We just haven't learned. You know, people who feel that way feel that way because of the shame imposed upon them by society and these expectations that we should all know exactly how to be these sexual gods and goddesses. And it's really an unrealistic standard. So for anyone listening who does have that feeling, please know that the way you feel is not any sort of indication of your worth, right? Mm-hmm learning about sex, learning about how to please yourself, please a partner is a really important part of becoming an adult sexual being. And we are all sexual beings in different ways, right? We all have a relationship with sexuality, even if it's our choice to abstain from sex. Yeah. Yeah. And one major question that I always like to ask is, what is your definition of sex? Like, Mm. how do you want to feel when you're having sex? Like, what is that overall feeling, right? Like, not necessarily the act of what you're doing, but like that feeling of connection, of love, of power, control, like whatever it is, like, what do you want out of it? And then how can we best get you there? That's Mm. a great question. Do people often know the answer to that question? Not always. And I, I think it is very 
again, it's just very complex and it just adds on to like this conversation in general. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's the beautiful part of the therapy process is like in it and going through it, you're almost like uncovering these other areas of yourself that you never knew you had. And it's, it's beautiful. I think to be able to find that out about yourself, it's very empowering. And Mm -hmm. sometimes it can answer a lot of questions that, you know, you never even had words to or answers to or any, like anything like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, one of the things about foreplay, that's really, I think a gift is that it reminds us that our whole bodies are a part of the sexual experience. Mm -hmm. And so often we reduce the idea of sex to the idea of some sort of penetration. And in fact, we, we do this so much that many experts are even talking about changing the word foreplay and having a more expansive word like outer course so that we can include the behaviors that we would typically call foreplay as a part of sex, as an equal, um, equally important part of sex mm-hmm. and decenter the experience of penetration to take pressure off of people for erections and take pressure off of people um, for achieving an orgasm in that way and really create more opportunities for pleasure. So when I'm talking to people or couples about foreplay and outer course, I'm really trying to help them understand the whole landscape of their body and their mind during a sexual experience. And how can they get a little bit more creative to find pleasure in throughout the experience, start to finish, and not limit pleasure to this sort of build-up coup de gras moment of penetration. Let's take the power away from penetration and refocus the idea of foreplay or outer course to be a more elongated experience of pleasure. Yes, I love that so much. And that's, I think what it is, is along with the outer play part of the book that we're reading in modern intimacy right now, like as a part of our book club is the book. She comes first by Ian Kerner. Mm -hmm. And he also tries to steer away from foreplay and change like that language into the word core core play. Mm. And I, I love what you're saying because I think so many people like, yes, there's so much anxiety that comes with, uh, is my erection hard enough? Um, Am I lubricated enough? Like, is this going to be enough? And I think that going like back into that language of feeling broken or like how you said all the anxieties that come with that, Mm -hmm. it puts so much pressure on sex when sex is supposed to be about play. It's supposed to be about stress relief. It's supposed to be about like just connection and like getting closer to everybody. And yeah, I mean, I think taking that pressure off of that penetrative aspect mm-hmm. just really allows you to be in the moment with your partner and experience everything that's going on. And I think that's, what's so important. I couldn't agree with you more. And foreplay can also help to close the orgasm gap. Can you say a little bit mm-hmm. about that? Yeah. So the orgasm gap is a phenomenon where mainly during like heterosexual sex men reach orgasm significantly more often than women do. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, and we actually do have a blog written on this on our website, I believe. Um, And the National Survey of Sexual Health and Behavior did a survey where they asked adult Americans about their most recent sexual encounters. 
I'm not sure how up to date this is. I would be kind of curious if there was like a more recent one, um, mm-hmm. especially like with the sex positivity and like talking about sex and all that has been, you know, has been happening. Mm-hmm. But at least for the time when they did this, re- uh, the research showed that 64% of heterosexual women reported experiencing an orgasm during their last encounter compared to 91% of heterosexual men. That's a consistent 27% difference. So that's a big gap. And it Mm -hmm. probably isn't new information for a lot of folks listening, but it does bear importance in repeating because I hear you, there has been a lot of movement around sex positivity, and Mm -hmm. there have been a lot of folks who have taken that call to action and who have educated themselves. But there are still a lot of people who haven't heard about this or maybe haven't felt like it benefits them to focus more on creating more avenues of pleasure during their sexual experience. So let's talk a little bit about... um, you know, what, what would be some of the benefits for people to increase foreplay or core play or outer course, whatever you want to call it, um, if what they really prefer is penetration? Yeah. I mean, I would say the benefits definitely feeling a better sense of connection. I believe that foreplay, foreplay, et cetera, fill in the blank of whichever definition you like <laughs> to use here. Um, it can help you foster that sense of connection, whether it's like you're engaging in the solo experience or um, with a partner or partners. Um, and I feel that it also helps make you feel seen, mm. makes you feel validated in your partner's presence. And I think makes you feel loved regardless of what the sexual encounter is, whether it be like, a one-time thing or with somebody that you're you've been with for a while I think at the end of the day that feeling of connection can mm-hmm. be very powerful um because I've even heard that even after like the one-time the one-time encounter of a of, like of a sexual experience sometimes folks tend to walk away feeling more disconnected or mm-hmm. they feel like they haven't been seen and again that's why these conversations of this is what I like is this okay with you? Would you be open to doing this? Why it's so important? Um, yeah. 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 I really like what you're saying. And I, I might, I might just add to that a, a lot of what I hear from a lot of cishet men and cishet women is that mm-hmm. in more casual encounters, there's typically less foreplay. And part of that is because there's less commitment right? Or no commitment in a casual encounter. And so I think sometimes when that is the truth, a lack of foreplay not only can decrease partner's pleasure in the experience, but it also can, it also can um, implicitly communicate a sense of dehumanization, right? Mm -hmm. Because when we engage in foreplay, we're acknowledging all of the other parts of our partner And we're acknowledging them more as a whole being, as opposed to focusing on penetrative sex or Mm -hmm. pleasure that focuses only on one partner and isn't equitable, then we're we're saying your pleasure matters less. Mm -hmm. And that's an important factor to take into consideration if what you're trying to get out of that experience is pleasure, but also the validation that you're a good lover. A lot of people engage in casual sex because they derive some esteem from knowing that they 
have been sexual in this way. And so if mm-hmm. that's the goal, it could be really helpful to focus on being the better lover, being somebody who's really more focused on prioritizing your partner's pleasure, knowing that that doesn't need to mean that you love them or even are committed to them. Is there a specific duration of time that foreplay should take place for couples? Um, so in the book that we are reading, what Ian Kerner mentioned is that 15 minutes of foreplay can increase the likelihood of orgasm. Mm-hmm. And I, I will say, I want to preface with foreplay. Um, I would say it is important. It's highly important for women or for vulva or for vulva owners. Mm-hmm. It's mo- it's like, it is very important for them. And yeah, so 15 minutes of foreplay can increase that likelihood of orgasm. Um, and I mean, I want to say, like, I realized, like I said, that not all sexual experiences allow for 15 minutes of foreplay, right? <laughs> However, and again, this is not a one size fits all approach, but I think you can make it fun and kind of like figure out like, how long do I need? Like, maybe I just need a couple of minutes. Maybe mm-hmm. I need 10 minutes, you know, and you can kind of have fun and like experiment with each other or with yourself, right? About right. how long do I need, right? But generally it's about 15 minutes. Okay, that's good to know. It seems really important to have good communication with a partner and talk about what kind of foreplay they like, right? We're not all the same. Our bodies mm-hmm. have different sensitive points, have different erogenous zones. So one of the things that's really fun about foreplay is that you get to discover and rediscover each other all the time when you play with parts of the body that don't necessarily include genitals or penetration. Yeah, exactly. So when does foreplay start? Mm, That is a good question. I would say that Foreplay starts as soon as the last sexual encounter ends. So that thing you may be thinking, right? Or anybody listening may be like, how does that work? Hmm. But it's because it's not, it's not all just inside the bedroom, right? Like foreplay does not have to be sexual at all. And partners have different love languages. Like we all have different ways that we express love, that we receive love, that we want to receive love all those things. Um, So I would say, for example, foreplay could be a fun, sexy text or a picture, you know, that you sent to your partner while they're away at work. You know, that's a more explicit example, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, But also a more implicit example would be maybe having the dishes done or having a clean house for when a partner comes home so that there is time for that, that coupleship time, that partnership time. Things like that. Or it could look like running your hand across the lower back of your partner, like when you're passing them in the kitchen Mm -hmm. or a little playful tap on the butt, anything like that, you know, anything like it it doesn't have to be sexual either. It can, it could also be something like, Hey, how are you feeling? Mm -hmm. How has your day been today? How can I help you? What do you need from me to feel better in this moment? Right. I I would say that foreplay, I I love what you're saying. It, 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 it creates a context where foreplay is not just about behaviors, but it's about a mindset. And when I was listening to you describe some of these different examples, what really came to mind is that foreplay is about creating safety with each other so that you can be free to play throughout your day and to flirt with one another and to 
protect the peace in your home so that you can have the time to cultivate erotic energy together. And when we think about foreplay as a mindset in that way, recognizing that when one sexual experience ends, a new one starts, right? And every cumulative experience that we have with a partner in between sexual experiences is part of the buildup to the next one. And so it's so important when couples are talking with each other about what turns them on for them to acknowledge some of the non-sexual and emotional components of their relationship so that they are eradicating things that might be getting in the way unintended. Um, So you mentioned doing the dishes or, or cleaning up around the house when your partner's at work. I think this is one of the biggest um, hot spots of, uh, of foreplay that partners overlook. And it's not to say that domestic labor should be a transaction in exchange for sex. That's not what I'm saying here, but when partners have an equitable sharing of domestic labor and they're both self-initiating in the ways that they've agreed upon, that creates a sense of safety and a sense of confidence in the partners. And because women are so often uh, laden with that domestic labor implicitly and as a default, it can sometimes be a pretty hot button issue with partners when they start asking for help, um, which they shouldn't have to ask for help, right? The partners who live in a home should be active participants in their home. And so I think this is one of the biggest underrated places for people to begin in mental foreplay is to identify things that need to be done around the home, take action, do them, and talk with your partner about how to create an equitable situation at home so that there is time for both of you to let your hair down, so to speak, and to create more opportunities for touch, sexual or non-sexual touch. Yeah, I I love everything of what you just said. And one of the main words that stood out for me, words, I would say, would be time and safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, like in, a, in kind of in going along with what you had said with other things like chores, all those things being done, right? There is more time because, I mean, I think we all know, right? There already is such little time in between work, trying to balance exercise, being healthy, being with friends, being with family. And then also, you know, if there's kids in the mix, if there are I don't know, just like any kind of stress is at work. And where safety comes into play with this is you're not going to feel safe to really open up and be sexual like that mm-hmm. if you're not in a good space mentally or like where you aren't feeling safe with your partner. So I think with that, it it can the relationship can grow when that safety is there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit about some creative ways that couples can use to spice up their foreplay. What ideas come to mind for you? Oh, I love this question. Um, Okay, so there's a few things that I really have in mind um, that come to mind when you first ask this. I would say prepare the room for sex. I Mm. think that can always be a good thing. What does that mean? 
Yes, that is a good question too. So what comes to mind for me when I think of that is you brought up a really good point. I believe at one other discussion that we were having of either setting it up to potentially look like a hotel, like setting up your bedroom, right? Like maybe if you have kids and you're not feeling like you're trying to be sexual, like you can't get into that mode when you see pictures of your kids. Maybe when your partner gets home, put the pictures to the side for the night, get new sheets on the bed, light some candles. If you're really romantic or your partner's into that, maybe put some rose petals, set some music, you know, any some anything like that. I think for me, when I say prepare the room, it's almost like you're preparing a scene again for comfort, safety, love, mm-hmm. connection for all of those components to like add up into like one thing. Yeah, I really like that. And and it's so funny. You know, some people might love rose petals. Some people might think that's pretty um, basic, whatever. Yes. Whatever works for, for <laughs> each couple is really important. But I think what I'm hearing there is learn about what allows your partner to feel in the mood and then prepare mm-hmm. the room for that. So some people might like to have the TV on, right? They might like to watch porn together. Some mm-hmm. people might need to have the TV off to create a more ambiance for sex. So pay attention to each other and really be intentional about creating space for eroticism so that your space is there and it's available when the mood strikes. And it isn't a daunting task to look around the room and put away the laundry or turn the TV off or, you know, all the things that can sometimes leave our rooms, our bedrooms feeling like a multi-purpose room. Right. Yes, exactly. And I mean, even going off of that communication, communication, communication is Mm -hmm. on my list, right. Of even how to have like how to spice up the foreplay, just in terms of having those open, honest, non-judgmental conversations about Mm -hmm. your wants, needs, and desires, both in and out of the bedroom, Mm -hmm. because that can also like lead up to the safety, lead up to the feeling of comfort Mm -hmm. and all of that. And exactly how you said, learning about your partner and learn what turns them on, learns what, learn what turns them off. That's the best way to really show up, I think, for yourself and your partner in that moment. Absolutely. I think one thing that's so great about foreplay, I think I said this before, is that our bodies are so different, right? So everyone's mm-hmm. erogenous zones are different. And you, what turns you on and which erogenous zones feel activated might change from day to day, depending on mm-hmm. your mood, um, how you feel in your body, how tired you might be, uh, what you're wearing, whether or not you've showered, all the things. Mm-hmm. So it can be really awesome and fun to play with different parts of each other's bodies, you know, like mm-hmm. do some experimentation, see if your partner is somebody who responds really well to gentle stroking on their back, on their low back, their upper back, on the sides of their back, you know, be creative in terms of touch and learn about what lights them up. It may be mm-hmm. that nothing does on that area of their body, but that's okay. It's a great way to stay connected through touch and also to just stay curious with each other. Exactly. And with that, even if your partner isn't responding, you're still learning because mm-hmm. you know what they don't like, you know, and you're able to figure that out without that kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. It's like those nonverbals are also very important to hone in on and re- really recognize how your partner reacts because their body will respond. Mm-hmm. You'll, you will be able to know that. 
So true. So true. Um, you know, I wonder what are your thoughts on if people should use sort of slow movements or faster movements when they're exploring each other's bodies and why? The way that I look at that, I feel like you can't go wrong if you start slow, right? You start slow and apply more pressure, whether that be with touch, anything like that, right? And depending on how they respond, or maybe you can even ask, oh, how is this feeling? Is this too much? Is this too fast? Do you want me to slow down? Do you want me to take some pressure off? It's that slow buildup, that slow lead in. And I think with that, that's like the safest route to go. And of course, having conversations with your partner of, do you like, maybe if you like it a little bit rougher, if you like more pressure, which with whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. That's how you learn too. Yeah, you can't unring a bell, but you can slowly lead up to the ringing of the bell. So I think Mm -hmm. going slow is a really important step when you're trying something new. Once you know what your partner likes, that's a different story. If they say, I love it when you stroke me really quickly here or with a lot of pressure there, then you know when you've got that data. But working foreplay in a a way that builds anticipation is Mm -hmm. a big part of what can lead to some pretty explosive orgasms. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I, one thing I I will also like to kind of put in, in terms of adding more spice to the foreplay is maybe even to incorporate some, some, like some things with temperature, right? Mm. So maybe massage oils, lubricants, flavored products, right? Like if it's like either cold or if it gets hot, whichever way, like with temperature that might even turn on a light bulb somehow. Absolutely. There are different arousal serums that have either a warm tingly or a cool Mm -hmm. sort of minty um, feeling to them and they can be, and and they're body safe, of course. Um, Mm -hmm. Trojan has a great set of a few different kinds of arousal serums, as does House of Wise um, with a CBD basis in it. So And those are not paid ads, by the way. I just love those products. So um, it's important to sort of think about like, what do you have at your disposal? Even if you don't have a serum or a fancy lubricant, do you have an ice cube or do you have maybe even a heating pad? Um, There are some sex toy companies that have candles uh, with wax that is actually a, a body safe temperature that you can use to pour onto the body and use as a massage oil. So there's a lot of different ways to get creative and play with temperature and sensation and sensation play is a big part of what creates excitement in the body. Mm. Yes. I love that. Yeah. So talking about sex can be difficult sometimes for all of the reasons that, that we've discussed in previous episodes. And today, how would you recommend folks bring this up as a means of advocating for their own pleasure? Okay. So yes, I want to validate that sex can be very difficult to talk about. And that could be anywhere between or because of culture, religion, how we were raised, or just even simply the society that we live in. And making sure that each partner is in a good headspace to be able to hear the information, but not only hear the information, but to also respond appropriately. It is very Mm -hmm. important. Because such a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I was, what I was saying was that it, 
since it is such a sensitive and vulnerable topic, or it can be making sure that each person feels seen, heard, and validated is a priority, especially with having a conversation like this of of the sensitivity. So what can people say to each other to start this conversation to make sure that their partner has the bandwidth to have it? So yeah, a good way to have a conversation like this could look something along the lines of, hey, I have something that I was thinking about talking to you about. I've been thinking about it thinking about it a lot lately, this conversation can potentially be vulnerable and very intimate. And I just want to make sure that we're both in a good space to talk about it. I was wondering when would be a good time for you to have this conversation. I really like that. It may create some anxiety for folks who (laughs) don't like to have hard conversations Um, And at the same time, it gives them knowledge that they get to say, I don't want to have that conversation right now in the moment, but I will be prepared for it maybe on Saturday, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. I would, I would add to that. I think it can be really important for couples to debrief about sex and foreplay and, and all of the things that they like, and maybe the things that didn't do it for them. Um, after each sexual experience, because to your point earlier, every experience is an education with your partner. So mm-hmm. it's impossible to think that they're going to like every single thing sexually that, that you do with them. So mm-hmm. that's to be expected. And when we can learn how to hear that and take it as constructive feedback and put it in the category of, I don't have to do that again, mm-hmm. um, we can learn really well from each other and create that safety on a regular basis within which to bring up conversations like this. What can you do if you're with a partner who says they're not interested in foreplay, but you really are? I would get curious about why they aren't interested in that. And I think of course, with a non-judgmental stance, so mm-hmm. in that in that respect of always being curious about your partner mm-hmm. and the key to partnerships and making them work is to always stay curious about each other, make mm-hmm. sure that you're always keeping each other in each other's care. And of course, there are so many different reasons to have sex. There was one research that I was looking into that actually identified about 235 different reasons to have sex. That's a lot of reasons. 235 reasons to have sex. Wow. That's a lot of reasons. Like for, for example, I think one of them was if I have a headache, Mm -hmm. I'm stressed out, Mm -hmm. I'm angry. Mm -hmm. If I had a really hard day at work, if I want to feel connection and those are just a few, Mm -hmm. right? So whatever the case may be, if maybe your partner was talking about because they didn't, there wasn't time. Right. So Mm. maybe it was, it could potentially be that it was a miscommunication or a misunderstanding. And it was just that one experience, which I think it would be even more important to have that conversation about it. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think everybody also has their different definition of sex and the sex that they want, you know? So if you aren't sure where to begin, having that conversation can really help. Absolutely. As we said before, not everyone loves foreplay and that's okay. But if you're with a partner who does really love it and who really wants it, it's important to think about how you can create 
um, a, a space for mutuality, right? And and what kinds of foreplay might you be interested in or willing to do to help your partner experience pleasure in a way that is meaningful for them and allows you both to get what you need from that sexual experience? Yeah, and and I would say if this does actually end up being a pattern and if there is just maybe that person just isn't into the foreplay or that mm-hmm. specific of kind of foreplay that, you know, that, that other partner is specifically interested in, Mm -hmm. this would be the perfect time to be curious and learn more about your partner. And like you said, find out what they do. Like, Mm -hmm. um, there is, um, the dual control model, right. Mm -hmm. That, that would be a perfect time to kind of even bring this up. Um, the dual control model, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, the dual control model was created by doctors John Bancroft and Eric Johnson. And Emily Nagoski actually also talked about this in her book, Come As You Are. So to put it plainly, there is a sexual inhibition system and a sexual excitation system inside all of us. And it is unique and different to everyone. Every like Everybody has different fingerprints. There's not one that's exactly the same. So think about your internal, the excitation and inhibition system. So again, plainly, what turns you on and what turns you off? Mm-hmm. Everyone's is different and it can change depending on what we're going through, what time of life we are in, mm-hmm. right? Any number of different factors can come into play. So think about it as being gas pedals for the excitation system or hitting the brakes for the inhibition system. and. This can be, this can even be done on a fun date night with your partners, right? You know, right. you can, it can be an opportunity to learn more about each other and it's very deep and intimate. And of course, this can be that based off of that question that I had asked, like, is now a good time to talk about this? Are mm-hmm. you in a good headspace to talk about this? Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, maybe you both have aligning turn-ons that you never knew that you had and that could lead into the foreplay. Absolutely. So the dual control model is a really, really important thing for folks to familiarize themselves with. And there's a bunch of information online about it. Definitely in Emily Nagowski's book, Come As You Are, she articulates it so perfectly in in Mm -hmm. simple language, and it's really easy to understand. But as you said, it's about learning about what turns us on and what shuts down our arousal. And typically people have more things that actually inhibit or shut down their arousal. So for some folks, not engaging in foreplay might inhibit their arousal because Mm -hmm. foreplay signals to them that they are cared for, desired, wanted, um, that they have time to warm up to arousal. Uh, So for some people, foreplay might be in in, in, an inhibition, right? It might feel disinteresting to them. So it shuts Mm -hmm. down their ability to be fully aroused. And so when, when couples are talking about these discrepancies of desire, it's so important to remember that we are unique in our sexual arousal and there's no shame in that right? Your arousal is going to look different than your partner's arousal. And that's a good thing because you can learn from what turns each other on and you can learn about things about yourself that you never even knew were a part of your arousal template or could become part of your template. Yeah. And I also like want to kind of add on to that is it may look different and that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, there is no shame in that at all. Everybody's different. Everybody has different 
different likes, different dislikes. And I think that also kind of goes with like, don't yuck my yum. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I have this interest over here and you have that interest over there and that's okay. If we don't align, we just don't incorporate that into our play together. Yeah. Or if either partner feels okay with doing that, maybe they can incorporate it. They don't have to always like the same things, but can you mm-hmm. like your partner being turned on by something? Now that's not to say anyone should cross their own boundaries and do something that they're uncomfortable doing mm-hmm. But for folks who are neutral about something and they want to be open to, to doing that with their partner, that's accessible too. Intimacy starts with being curious. At the end of each episode, I'll be answering your questions. I love interacting with all of you, so please keep the questions and comments coming via TikTok, Instagram, our website, modernintimacy.com, or email questions at modernintimacy.com. I'll include your name to the question unless you ask me not to. So tune in to hear if your question gets answered here or on any of our social media channels. Let's get curious together. So are you ready to answer a question? We had a question come in on social media about um, foreplay and about sex in general. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Okay. So this person writes, we've had many conversations about each of our sexual needs, but there has been no change. How do we get through this obstacle? Wow, that's such a great question and something we hear so frequently in couples therapy. Yeah, and I can imagine how hard that is too. Mm-hmm. you know, to kind of be in that space. Mm-hmm. I, it reminds me of one of the, um, one of our previous discussions that we had earlier of being curious, right. Kind of wondering why I, I kind of, I like to call it rolling with the resistance. Mm-hmm. Like, I wonder, you know, like, I wonder what it would take to get you here. Um, are, is there anywhere in here that we align with anywhere that we don't align with? And where can we meet in the middle or even in general, like before that, I feel like I definitely just like way jumped ahead. Right. But before that, even just what, what's going on. Can you tell me a little bit about what this means for you to not want to engage in this for things to not want to change? Right. Cause I think that's a statement in itself. I think so too. And it's so important when, when couples talk about their sexual needs it's one thing to acknowledge their sexual needs and wants and their, their desires, but when they're not addressing any underlying dynamics in the relationship, mm-hmm. it can make it difficult to create space for the fulfillment of different sexual needs or a change in sexual behavior. So I love what you said about rolling with the resistance. I would really look at this as an opportunity to think about what else might we need to address in our relationship that might be getting in the way of us feeling free enough to explore changing up our sexuality together or changing up Mm -hmm. our sex play. Um, Sometimes there are a lot of um, fears. There's maybe financial fear or there's a lack of emotional safety. Sometimes there's resentment that needs to be fleshed out a little bit and, Mm -hmm. and resolved Sometimes there's conflict that hasn't been repaired and it makes it difficult to think about being generous with our partners when there's inadequate repair. Um, So I would really be a lot more curious about what's going on non-sexually that's making the leaning into um, sexual pleasure a little bit more challenging. I love that view of it 
I think, again, like really slowing it down. And I think even taking that sexual aspect out of it, because mm-hmm. like we like like we've been talking about, it's hard to imagine being sexual and even bring the safety piece into it, being mm-hmm. safe, feeling safe in that moment. If there is X, Y, Z going on, if there are resentments over here, if there is upset feelings over there, right? Like mm-hmm. all these things can really impact us sexually. Totally, totally. And I think about the sexual needs and I wonder sometimes about whether or not sometimes people feel a little bit nervous to lean into something new sexually. They might not feel like they have enough information to feel comfortable doing it, especially if it's an area of kink or something that is maybe unfamiliar to them um, or represents some fears about the security of their relationships. So I think it's so important to talk a little bit more about what would happen if we did do these new sexual things, or if we mm-hmm. didn't meet each other's needs, how would our relationship change? Um, yes. What if we can't? What if my partner's too afraid to dive into this? What if they have fears or shame about saying yes to something that really turns me on or vice versa? I think we really have to get a lot more curious with one another when there's a stale, when there's a, a, a plateau or a stagnant mm. point in the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I love that you said that because I think that is also so important. Great. Well, thank you so much, Raquel. I really appreciate you having this conversation with me today about foreplay. And for those of you interested, you can check out Raquel's blog. um, What is foreplay and why is it important on our website, modernintimacy.com. And don't forget to check us out on social media on Instagram at the modern intimacy. And on TikTok and Instagram, you can find me at Dr. Kate Balistrieri. Thanks so much, everyone. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Modern Intimacy Podcast. On Instagram, follow me at Dr. Kate Balistrieri and at The Modern Intimacy. On TikTok, check me out at Dr. Kate Balistrieri and on Twitter at Kate Balistrieri. Everyone has questions about mental health, sex, and relationships. Send yours to me via DM on Instagram or email them to questions at modernintimacy.com and I'll answer some at the end of each episode. Visit the website, modernintimacy.com, to schedule a consultation with a member of our team or to sign up for our newsletter. Let's meet back here next week. New episodes air every Tuesday. Reminder, this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only and is not a substitute for mental health services. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.